Don't you just love this time of year? I love it for the first couple weeks. And um, no, we, we enjoyed going shopping and doing some things. Just did some shopping last night. And uh, it, was, it was fun. It's good to be with my wife in a store. And, and we, I just kind of follow her around. And we, we do what we do. And it's a good time. But uh, how many of you like the snow already? It was a pretty picture, wasn't it? I, we, we, uh, since the ladies didn't go shopping on Saturday, we, we kind of slept in and laid around and just kind of laid there in, in bed and talked for a couple hours and just were lazy Saturday morning. It was nice. We haven't done that for months and just kind of laid there. And uh, I looked outside and my dog, uh, Fancy, she's, um, she got kind of long hair and she'd been running around in the snow and, and she, <laughs> she'd come running up to the house and she had, her hair had caught snow and it was a wet snow so she had like snowballs hanging underneath her when she's running and she didn't like them so she was trying to bite at them and I just stood in the window and looked at her and she was trying so I went out there and I was taking the snowballs off and it was a beautiful snow it was a nice wet snow did anybody make a snowman nobody hey Trina did hey she gets a prize I'll give it to you later but anyway this is a great time of year and it just seems like uh you know this is the snow adds to it. It is kind of nasty to get out on. And, uh, but we had a, our board Christmas party Friday with, with our board and with the staff, with Carla and, and Claudia, and had a lot of fun, played some games, yelled at each other, and uh, hollered and, and clapped and cheered and made fun of each other for the mistakes. And, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Thanks, Larry. This is lukewarm, Larry. <laughs> we probably ought to get to business, shouldn't we? Uh, anyway, in light of Christmas and Christmas season, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good things. And, and there's also a lot of crazy things that take place. I, every year we watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We have to because it's, it's a classic in our family. In order to be a part of the family, you're required to watch it. You have to watch it. Uh, and we sit there and we watched it just this last week. Last Tuesday it was on. A little early, mind you, but it was on. And, and we watched it. And, of course, you know, it all comes out the same. Uh, it's, it's a little kind of, it's kind of crazy, obviously, with some of the, the stuff. How our world just gets away from who Christ is. And even worse than that, I don't know if anybody's seen this one before. This year was the first time I watched most part of it was... Uh, uh, what is it? Santa Claus is coming to town. It's by the same people that did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Has anybody seen that before? Wow, that's a good one. It's like they took the whole idea of, well, we did a Christmas song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and it was so good and popular. Let's do Santa Claus is coming to town. And you talk about a far-fetched, weird, I mean, it's got a warlock in it. Go see the warlock. Ooh, ooh. And it was all frozen. And since, since Chris Kringle gave him a gift and and they use this whole thing to explain who Santa Claus is and why he goes down chimneys and why all this just, I'm going to tell you what, I just sit there. I was making fried taters and sausage. Can I get an amen for that one? It was good too. But I was making fried taters and sausage and I would peek into the living room occasionally. Alyssa's sitting there watching this thing. And I'm watching it going, what is the purpose we get frustrated, I know. Has anybody ever got frustrated with all the crazy Christmas stuff that's out? I, I sit there and I just think, you know, where's Christ in all this? 
Why do we have to do this to everything? Why do we have to remove him from everything that, that has to do with this season? And Christians, sometimes we're the worst ones at it. I mean, we do the same thing. We do. Uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, is in light of all of it, and as frustrated as I get, God is at work. An atheist can come up with whatever idea or dream that they want to to try to take Christ out of Christmas, and they can't do it. Regardless of what, what we say, even I said this about Thanksgiving a few weeks ago, say what you want about Thanksgiving, but the truth of the matter is, is there's one time a year that everybody has to stop and see if they're really thankful for anything. Christmas, we've got about a 40-day period. It's starting earlier and earlier anymore, maybe closer to 60 days, where Jesus Christ is proclaimed more than any other time of the year. It's real easy for, for us to get caught up in the battle of, the, of Christmas. Is it Xmas? Is it Christmas? Do we have Christmas trees? Do we have to put the manger scene out? What? Listen, church, don't get too caught up in all that. Be sure and be secure in the fact that over this next few weeks, Jesus Christ is going to be proclaimed more now than He has the other 12 months. People know. People are going to have to hear it. And we've got to take on the attitude of Paul who said, said this, but what does it matter? The important thing is, is that in every way, whether for false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Church, Jesus Christ is at work today. We studied here in a few weeks ago in John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus in reference to them saying He couldn't heal on the Sabbath, He says, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. In other words, my Father, since the creation of everything, He took one day off. And ever since then, He's been working, and I'm doing His work right now. Extending mercy. God, ever since He created everything, He labored creating everything. Ever since then, He's not been laboring, church. He's been extending mercy. He's been giving mercy to mankind, showing mercy to mankind. And we've got to grasp Right now, in our today and age, this day and age, right now, regardless of Rudolph or Santa Claus or anything other crazy thing you want to come up with, Jesus Christ is still extending mercy. He's still working behind the scenes. He's still doing it all. He came into this world. He died on the cross for our sins. Amen? He was the gift of hope. He was the gift of everything good and positive in man's life. He was really the, God's gift to us. I know people make that joke about other well, they just think they're God's gift to this world, don't they? Jesus could really say that. I think my sisters have said it once or twice about me. Well, you just you just think you're God's gift to this world, don't you? Well, I can't say yes, but but Jesus' brothers and sisters could. They say, What well, do you think you're God's gift to this world? He, yeah. He is. And he's being proclaimed more now than ever. He's being proclaimed now through this whole season. And all since the beginning of time, God set the plan up and He's begun working. The activity of God working and flowing behind the scenes. People not seeing it. People not understanding what's going on. God is moving behind the scenes through the prophets, speaking, prophesying, saying the Messiah will come, the Messiah will come. And eventually the Messiah did come and not everybody was looking for Him. Not everybody was looking for him the first time he came as a baby, and then nobody was looking for him when he really exposed himself as the Messiah publicly. People still weren't looking for him and didn't understand who he was. And probably when he comes back, people still won't be looking for him. But I can tell you this, the activity of God has never ceased. God is active. His Spirit is active. His Spirit is moving. We're going to look this morning, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to stay in Luke most of the time. I think we turn away from Luke once. But I'm going to say 
five, I'm five points this morning. I know, preacher, you're only supposed to have three. I got five. Deal with it. But it's, it, it won't take forever. This is probably, you probably never looked at the Christmas account like this before, and I, I, I don't care. This is how God spoke it to my heart. So I'm just going to tell you what God showed me. How's that sound? Three of you like that? Good. Because God did speak it to me. And I, and I call it the Christmas account because I get upset when I catch myself calling it the Christmas story. If you call it the Christmas story, it kind of, you know, Rudolph is a story. And it kind of takes some credibility away from This is the Christmas account. This really happened. Amen? Luke chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 13 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will, will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Verse 24, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. I want to say this to our church this morning, that God wants to work through your hopeless situation. The activity of God is going on behind the scenes right now. He is working in your hopeless situation. Zechariah and Elizabeth were in a hopeless situation. He was a man of God. He loved God. He was serving God. And an angel appeared and said, hey, listen. You're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to do this, and he's, he's going to be great. And he talks about all this stuff. The truth of the matter is, is when you're old and you can't have a child anymore, all of a sudden you start looking around saying, well, I'm not going to have a child anymore. It's not possible. It's hopeless. It's not going to happen. And in that day, she said this. She says that, says that uh, God has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Disgrace. Hopelessness. We have to understand that for Elizabeth, she was, if she wasn't able to bear children, at this time, people would look at them and say, you must be a sinful person if God hasn't blessed you with children. She's had to handle some, some, some looks, some words, and some things said about her, stuck in a hopeless situation, and Zechariah's saying, listen, we're too old, God. We can't. We can't have a child. We can't do any of this. And God said that it would come to pass. It will come to pass. And don't you know that about God? The activity of His Holy Spirit, whether you and I cooperate or not, He's going to carry out His plan. Amen? It's going to happen. He will work it out. I just want to share with you this morning that this season can be a very depressing time for some. It's a time where people remember that lost loved one. Brother Tony, uh, he's not in here now, but uh, Tony's father passed away. And uh, this, this afternoon is the visitation for, for Bill, 4 to 8, at Sterling Christian Church. It's going to be a hard Christmas for them. June, I know it's going to be a hard Christmas for June. Maisie, it's going to be hard. We know that. Uh, many of us that have lost loved ones, 
It's hard to face these things. It's hard. It just seems like at the holidays when everybody's happy and everybody's rejoicing and celebrating different things that we look back and all of a sudden we start remembering those bad choices we made. We start remembering the bad decisions, remembering the bad things, the dreams that we once had one time. Have you had a dream, church? I have a dream. Do you ever when you were, do you remember when you were younger and you felt the Lord speak to your heart and you had a desire to, to serve in ministry or, or to develop a skill or to do something for the Lord? And, and now as you've grown older, you look back and say, well, it's too late. It's too late. It's hopeless. Don't you see that's how Elizabeth was? Don't you see that's how Zechariah was? That they looked at the whole situation and they recognized it and saying, this, this is a hopeless situation. We're never going to have a son. We're never going to have this. Listen, I want you to know that God sees you. He sees your faithfulness. He sees your faithfulness to serve Him and to love Him. And that even though you're in a hopeless situation, God says, I'm, gonna, I'm about to give you hope. Just hold on just a little bit longer, Zechariah. Just keep offering incense of worship in the temple. Be patient because I'm going to speak a word to you. The hope, the things that you've asked for, I've heard you. There's hope. And it will come to pass. Even if you question me, sure, I'll discipline you a little bit for questioning me, Zechariah. But my words will come to pass at the proper time. This Christmas season, it's real easy to get hopeless. I want to encourage our church this morning that, that uh, it, it is a time for us to look at hope instead of being hopeless. The enemy wants us to be hopeless. Jesus Christ was hope in a bundle about this big. He cried. He probably looked like this. and You know how babies are in those little fingers and their eyes don't work right? and They just look funny. I'm sorry. They do, but they develop and they get better looking as time goes by. He was, he was hope, church. Hope for a, for a hopeless world. There's no reason for us believers to live our lives hopelessly. That when God has spoken something to you, He will bring it to pass at the proper time. But Pastor Bob, it's been a long time. Well, but I'll tell you that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. And her womb was dead. And there was no way this was going to happen. And God said, okay, I've waited long enough. Now's the proper time. I don't understand God's timing. I don't understand why God works the way He does. But I'm, going to tell, I'm challenging this morning before I move on. What is your hopeless situation? God wants to move in it. The activity of God is working behind the scenes to bring hope into your life. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I want to encourage us and speak to us secondly this morning is that God wants to work through your integrity and faithfulness. 
God wants to work through your integrity and faithfulness. Mary was a virgin. She had kept herself pure. But we know that if the Holy Spirit was to come upon her and overshadow her, that she could bear the Son of God, she had to be a pure vessel. She had to be somebody that was, was, was righteous in God's sight, somebody that was, was meek and quiet and able to serve, and somebody that just loved the Lord and was serving Him faithfully and, and kept herself pure. Joseph, likewise, was somebody that was a man that was an honorable man. In Matthew 1, 18 through 25, you don't have to turn there, but, but we see where Joseph was upset that his, his espoused wife, whom he wasn't even married to yet, was pregnant and with child. And he made it a decision that he was going to divorce her quietly. Tell me that's not a man of integrity. He didn't run out and start yelling and screaming and saying, that woman's an adulterer and needs to be stoned. He didn't run around and trash her and defame her. He didn't openly embarrass her in any way, shape, or form. He said, listen, he said, I, I don't understand this. She's a good woman. I, I don't know what happened, but I'm, I'm not going to dishonor her any more than she already has dishonored herself. And he said, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. Not making a scene. A man with integrity. A man with some love in his life. And God spoke to him as well and said, look, this thing that, that is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. And even then, Joseph married her. He married her in spite of probably the ridicule of the community. He married her and probably took upon himself the accusations that this was his child and it was him that had fornicated with this woman. He took upon himself that verbal abuse and even though he knew all these things, he also respected the prophecies enough to know that the Christ had to be born of a virgin and he did not know his wife until after the child was born, the scripture says. Now that's a man. Amen? That's a godly man. A patient man that will love his wife enough to endure all things. A man that would love God enough to endure all things. Church, they were blessed because of their integrity. 2 Timothy chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these things, the things that were listed earlier in the Scriptures, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. When we allow ourselves to be purged from the sin that holds us down, when we allow ourselves to be cleansed, when we allow ourselves to obey the Word of God and to be faithful to Him and to have integrity in our lives, the Spirit of God will use us. Our ministry is validated when we have integrity. Amen? And Joseph and Mary had that. They were blessed. And you say, well, what's the, what's the point? What's this have to do with me? I want to challenge you. If you are here today and you are, are ridiculed, for serving God. If you are ridiculed for, for, for choosing not to involve yourself with certain, certain behaviors, if you are ridiculed because you don't listen to the gossip and slander, if you are ridiculed because you don't allow yourself to be a part of the dirty jokes, guys, if you're in that break room and you don't allow yourself to be a part of the pornography that's passed around or a part of the, the behaviors and things that are exalted, if you say no to that drink, if you say no to the drugs, if you say no to whatever it is the culture is popular with, if you're ridiculed because you won't turn on certain movies and television shows, I want to encourage you that God is using you and preparing you to be used of Him. I have young people all the time, Pastor Bob, have you seen this movie? No. I just told you what I watched, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I do, like, I do like It's a Wonderful Life. 
That's another one my family has to watch every year. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, see? I can do Jimmy. Mr. Potter, you... Um, sorry, I got off topic there. God wants to purify us and use us, church. And we have to guard ourselves. I want to challenge you to begin to guard yourselves. Guard what your eyes and ears are seeing and hearing. Evaluate what you're watching. Evaluate what you're listening to. And I don't just mean the radio. I mean conversations. Evaluate what you are allowing to go into your head and through your head and bounce it off of the Word of God and say, is this something I should be a part of? Because if you can purge yourself of that nonsense, God's preparing you to do a great work. He placed inside of Mary His Son because she was faithful and she had integrity. What is He going to entrust to you, church? What's He going to entrust to me? He's placed His Spirit within us so that we might be used of Him. Thirdly, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Shepherds. Not, not the cream of the crop of the social ladder. You know what I'm saying? There are a few rungs down from the top. They sleep with sheep. I don't, I don't know if sheep get those snowball things hanging from them like my dog does. Maybe they'd spend all their time breaking off the snowballs. and I don't know. People that were watching sheep that belonged to somebody else. People that were stuck out in a field uh, sleeping in the cold with dew on their faces, wrapped in clothes and, and constantly being awoke by... Having to chase sheep around and watch out for wolves and bears and lions and having to go out and go, one, two, three, four, five, stop moving! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty. They count sheep, fall asleep, wake up, say, what number was I on? I don't even know where I'm at. One, two, three. She, you know, seriously, I know I'm being kind of silly, but the truth of the matter is, is that the shepherds were not the, the high society people. They were working day and night looking after somebody else's sheep. They were working day and night, sacrificing to themselves very faithfully and probably ridiculed and scorned by their culture because they smelled funny and that they had really a low job. They weren't a place of high society. They weren't the ones at the gates making the decisions, amen? They were the ones bringing the sheep through the gates that people were going, "Ah," trying to talk and to do business. You say, what's this have to do with me? I want to encourage you this morning that that even though they were in a dead-end job, that God proclaimed to them the birth of His Savior. Even though they weren't pastors and priests and teachers, even though they weren't in the temple making sacrifice, even though they weren't at the gates of the city making decisions and leading people or a politician of that nature, they were just out serving in their dead-end job and angels came and proclaimed the birth of the Savior to them. And not only that, one angel said it, but then a host of angels sang praise and glory to God. Could you imagine them standing there going, and their little cane fall over? 
I wonder if the sheep watched. <laughs> or if they just kept laying around. I don't know what sheep do. They're, I always had people say this, that sheep are the stupidest animals that God ever created. And there was a little kid in math class. They said, uh, teacher said, okay, if I had a hundred sheep and one got out, how many would be left in the pen? He goes, well, that's easy. And he put zero. And she, she, she counted it wrong on his paper. And she said, that's wrong. He said, no, it's not, ma'am. He said, my dad has sheep. Everybody knows when one sheep gets out, they all get out. (laughs) That wasn't even in my notes. But listen, if you're in a hopeless situation, if you're in a dead-end job, I've been there, man. I've been there, gone working 12-hour days, six days a week. I've been there. And it gets old. You know, not if, if we took a poll of everybody in this place and probably the whole city of Covington, I would say the majority of people probably wouldn't have a whole lot of good to say about their jobs. People just aren't happy with their work. They're like, well, yeah, I've been doing the same piece for five years or 15 or 20 or 30 years and, and running the same machine. And, and listen, I want to encourage you today that God has got a plan for your life. These shepherds, after they saw the angel, after they saw Jesus, they went around and they started spreading the gospel. The first ones proclaiming Christ were these shepherds. They were going out and telling everybody about it. And Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Shepherds. God wants to use you. He doesn't want me to go to your workplace. I mean, I could go in there, but probably most of you would shy away if I got up on on the table in the break room and started preaching. You don't think you would? I walk into the school on a regular basis. It happens. I don't preach there. I'd like to. It'd be kind of fun. But maybe like, no, I won't do it. But we have to realize that God wants to use you where you're at. And I don't care how low you think you may be. I don't care how humble your circumstance is. I don't care how, you know, I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. I'm not good looking. I'm not this. I'm not that. God has established you where you're at for a reason. And through this Christmas season, it's easy to go to these Christmas parties and get discouraged and frustrated. I actually left our Christmas party encouraged. It was good. But you go to these things and you think, oh, great, what's this happening? Listen, you can be a light. God has placed you there. He's revealed the Savior to you, and I need to move on. Fourthly, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Keep your thumb in Luke. I'm just going to start reading for the sake of time. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Fourthly, I want to encourage our church this morning that God wants to work through the unexpected and the unexplained. He wants to work through the unexpected. You say, why is this unexpected? It's pretty unexpected to have men from another nation, probably serving, having been raised up under other religions, the history of these probably coming down through uh, the exile of Israel and these individuals being aware of, the, of Judaism, discovered and understood the writings. These are people in, in search of wisdom that came across the prophecies. 
probably astrologers, probably there's a lot of things that people can say probably about, but all I know is these men looking at the sky saw a star that wasn't like the others. And they began to follow it. And they ended up at the feet of Jesus in a manger, knowing who he was, as we can tell by the gifts they brought. Gold, recognizing his deity. Frankincense, it's a form of worship to God. Uh, Myrrh, recognizing that he was going to suffer. These are people from another country that understood and knew more about what the Word said than what even the Jewish people did at that point. They understood that the Messiah was going to come and die. They came to the feet of Jesus, and you say, what's the deal? It's a really weird and strange thing, but it's proof to Mary and Joseph, even early on, that Jesus Christ came for the whole world and not just the Jews. He came to the Jew first and then the Gentile, but the fact of the matter is, is he had the Gentile in the plan way before the Jews ever rejected him. And the Gentile was even at the manger. More than three, probably. All at the manger, worshiping God. And you say, what does this have to do with me? Listen, we have a lot of people in our lives that are impossible. God wants to unexpectedly bring them to, his, to the foot of the cross that he might, they might know him. The Jews, these people, they, they had no interest in bringing somebody else in. It would happen and they would have to, have to go through all the stuff to become a Jew. But the truth of the matter is, is they weren't interested in this, but it happened. And God brought them in supernaturally in an unexplained, unprepared way, and it stirred up the community. You want to get the community stirred up, get somebody that's been a diehard atheist to get saved. You want to stir things up. God wants to do the unexpected. Listen, we have coming up this Christmas season, through Christmas season, God wants to do the miraculous, church. He doesn't want us to just look back and say, wow, look how miraculous God was. God is miraculous. And He wants to touch the hearts that are untouchable to us. He wants to bring them in. He wants to be a part of it. God is moving. The activity of God wants to bring about, through the Holy Spirit, lost individuals to come to the cross. We have coming up here in a couple of weeks. We've got our Christmas program here. What happens? Unexpectedly, our church is full of people that come to church one time a year. One time a year. That's high and mighty Christmas. People only come to church one time a year. Well, yeah. Thank God they come once. Hallelujah. The unexpected. Somebody comes through your door and goes, wow, what are they doing here? Listen, they may be unexpected, but God's expecting it. God drew them here. Don't embarrass them. Don't make them feel stupid. We may not expect somebody to walk through the door, but God knew it way before we did. He orchestrated it. Don't run it. You know what I'm saying? Don't kick them out of your seat. They don't know it's your seat. They had not been here in a long time. They just sat there last year and you got mad at them. Don't get mad at them. We didn't expect them to show up and sit in our seat. Don't let it ruin your day. Thank God that they're here. We're going to have that program. It's going to be packed full. And these kids are going to get up here and proclaim the gospel to a bunch of parents, grandparents that probably haven't heard it in 12 months. I expect the unexpected. Amen? God is a God of of working through the unexpected. He brought the impossible about by the activity of a star of people that have been raised up in other pagan religions that were searching for wisdom that come across the scriptures that have been trained somewhat in Judaism show up to worship the God, the Messiah of the living God through the activity of a star. 
God will go to great lengths whether we want to be part of it or not. Don't mess it up. Amen? Lastly, I know you're getting sick of me talking. Luke chapter 2 again. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon got it. Simeon understood. Simeon knew what was going on. He knew. You say, what's the big deal? Church, I, lastly this morning, I want to I encourage you and remind you that God is looking to move through the prophetic. And you may say prophetic and think automatically that somebody's got to prophesy publicly or read somebody's mail. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what God wants to bring about what He's speaking to our hearts. And He wants to speak through us. He wants us to be aware of the activity of God. You see, for 400 years at this point, there hadn't been a prophet. There hadn't been a prophet operating in a public setting, uh, bringing, you know, bringing down strongholds and doing the miraculous works. It, it hadn't happened for a while. But even though God wasn't working through a prophet, we can be encouraged to know that He was speaking to a man. God was not dormant, church. If He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can know that He is working through us and working behind the scenes and wants to speak to our hearts. This man was serving in the temple. He, had, he was there and they bring, they bring Jesus in to be uh, circumcised. And, and He had been told at some, po- some point by the Spirit of God saying, Hey, listen, you're, at some point you're going to see the Messiah, Simeon. I'm going to love you so much that I'm going to tell you ahead of time that you're going to get to see the Messiah before you die. Simeon must have been a righteous man. He must have been a man tuned into God and loved God enough and was begging and saying, Lord, you know, I just want to see your Messiah. I just want to see him. I just, Lord, I just want to behold your Messiah. I know what the scriptures say and I don't understand it all, but Lord, I just want to see the Messiah. And God spoke to his heart and said, Simeon, before you die, I'll let you see him. Not only will I let you see him, but you'll know who he is when you look at him. And he was moved by the Holy Spirit so that when Jesus came in, he goes, and realized that in his hands was the Son of God. In his hands was the creator of the universe. In his hands was the one that breathed life into man's lungs. And he said, Lord, your servant can go in peace now. You see, church, God is moving. God is speaking. He spoke then. He's speaking now. And he wants us to be aware of the activity that he's got going on right now. He wants us to be aware of the activity in our workplace. He wants us to be aware of His activity in our family, of His activity in our community, His activity in our church. He wants us to see it. He wants us to be a part of it. If we'll stop and we'll ask and we'll say, God, speak to my heart so that I can know your plan and know when it's being fulfilled. It's encouraging to me because Simeon didn't have to have it proclaimed by angels. It was just simply by the leading of the Holy Spirit and that's who we have in us today. Tell me, 
Where is Jesus working in your community? Where is he working in your home? We probably haven't asked that question. Because the truth of the matter is, as we look at our Christmas time as miracles that have been, we look at the miracles that took place, and we forget that even today, Jesus Christ is being birthed in the lives of many, many people through the Holy Spirit, saving us, drawing us to Him. We forget that blinded eyes are still open today, that deaf ears are opened. All the works that Jesus had done are still going on today. He has not stopped working. My Father has worked and I work too, He said. My Father is working up to this time and I do the same thing. I'm telling you what, when He left, He said it was beneficial that He go away so that He can send the Holy Spirit. And if the Father was working and if Jesus Christ was working, I guarantee you that the Spirit of God is working today. And for that we can be joyful. We can be joyful knowing that not only do we just have to all of a sudden see that something took place and recognize, the Spirit, recognize it as the Spirit of God, He can speak to our hearts and we can know about it before it happens. That's promised in the book of John. Jesus told the disciples, He said that, that the Spirit of God is going to teach them all things. But then He also says, I think it's chapter 15, I'm not sure. He says after that, He goes, and even things to come. Even things to come. God wants to reveal Himself to us. He wants us to be a part of the plan of God. Are you a part of it, church? Because this morning I'm encouraging you, reminding you once again, He wants to take your hopelessness. He's working behind the scenes to bring you hope. He's going to work through your faithfulness and integrity to birth a ministry or, or, or an opportunity to minister to others through your life. He's working through your humble circumstance so that you can be used of Him. And he's about to do the unexpected, the unexplainable in your life in that hopeless situation. And He wants to work in a prophetic way to speak His love to you and the love, His love to others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning?